go again. Thank you for stepping into the coach's box. I'm your host, Coach JP3, joined tonight by Coach Natty T and the real Coach K. We got jam-packed schedule, as always, for the people. We got Coach Natty T kicking us off with some soccer, got some, you know, the Euro 2020 happening, got Copa America, got a lot going down across the world. Uh, and definitely we want to be able to supply things. We need to educate, you know, the United States of America on what's going on in soccer outside of the States. Uh, and then we also want to show love to our international viewers, you know, listeners out there, you know, that, hey, we're paying attention. We're paying attention to what's going around the world. So uh, get some world news. We got NBA, never a boring day in the NBA. So we got a lot of stuff going there. We got talks about, you know, the players in the second round playoff analysis. We got the coaching carousel that's going on. A lot of crazy news this week. And then we're going to wrap up the show talking about the NBA injury issues and some of the double standard standards that we're seeing going on within the NBA. All right. But first, we're going to go to you, Coach Natty T. Uh, go ahead and talk to us about your Copa America predictions. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> before I start, I... Since last week, I've been on cloud nine because there's just been soccer all day. <laughs> so while I'm working, I have a TV on and there's soccer all day. I got the, the Euros on all day. And then in the evening when I'm working out, I got the Copa America on at night. So I'm, I'm just in cloud nine. So, um, yeah, so my Copa America prediction. So they, they tournament started Sunday. There was some controversy because is being held in Brazil. And, um, you know, if you've been paying attention to the world news with COVID, Brazil is still pretty hard to hit with COVID. So, you know, a lot of the players didn't really want to play because they're like, well, why are we going to the country that really hasn't handled it well? But there's no fans and, you know, they have rapid testing and all that. So they're still playing. Um, so thinking about it, Oh, let me go back. So Copa America, explain to our American listeners. Um, so talk about this a few weeks ago with the structure of world football, world soccer. Each continent has its own competition between all the countries that are, you know, located in that continent. So there's a qualifying process. Um, and then, you know, they get to like the final 24 or final 32 in the uh, Euros. And then you just, you just have a competition. And whoever wins that is crowned the champion of Europe, the champion of South America, the champion of North America, and so on. So right now, simultaneously, we have the Copa America going on at the same time as the Euros. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't want to be cliche with my pick for the Copa America, but I have to because no matter which way I analyze it or slice it, I still get to the same answer, and it's Brazil. <laughs> um, because I really like Uruguay. Mm -hmm. um, so, because they have Luis Suarez, who plays for Atletico Madrid, um, Edison Cavani, who plays for Manchester United, um, and plenty of other good, good players, but they're a little older. So, I worry about that as the competition goes on because remember, they're They've played their full season, and then now they're doing this competition as well. And, you know, sometimes 
you know, your legs can only give you so much. Your body can only give you so much. And with them being older, it's just going to be tougher to kind of go through the competition. Um, kind of the same issue I have with Argentina, because, of course, they have Messi. But somewhat of the same issues. They're a little older, um, and they've kind of – they've played very average so far. Um, and even leading into the tournament, they haven't really been on a good momentum. So – I just I, I couldn't feel comfortable picking them. The defending champions, Chile, um, very strong, but I think they're going to miss Alexi Sanchez, who's their best forward. He plays for uh, Inter Milan. Very solid team, but they still have trouble scoring, as we've seen so far in this tournament. They just won the first game today at 5 o'clock, but that was the first game that they won. They tied Argentina in their first game, which was very – they had a lot of chances, but didn't capitalize on it. So again, I land at Brazil because they've been unbeaten, I think in their past 11 games and actually like unbeaten by actually winning games, not like tying games. They're actually scoring a lot of goals. Um, and then they have a good mix of younger players that have experience. So, and then they still have Neymar as long as he doesn't flop around too much. <laughs> <laughs> So as long as he doesn't flop around too much, I mean, he's a great, phenomenal player and he's been playing great, but as long as he doesn't do that too much, I just think they have the best overall team in the Copa America. And also not that this really matters, but every time the Copa America has been hosted by Brazil, they've never lost the tournament. So I don't anticipate that changing this time either. So I got, uh, I got Brazil winning the tournament, uh, winning the Copa America um, this year. So, all right, now going towards the Euro. So we just finished the first week and I have five takeaways from this week. But before I go to five takeaways, I got to give a shout out to Christian Erickson. Um, yeah. You may have saw even on the American news, uh, sports news, uh, it was Denmark versus Finland. He's a Denmark player, their best player. Um, just won the Italian league with Inter Milan and he just collapsed on the field. I was watching it live. It was very scary, very jarring. Um, I've seen, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, most of our listeners have seen, um, you know, the CPR training, yeah. like how they do it, but I've never seen it live before. I don't know if anybody has seen it live, mm. like actually somebody that needs it. Yeah. Never and, seen it live. So you're watching the game and he falls over and, you know, they run out and they are doing CPR. I mean, pumping his chest. So it was very scary to watch. Um, but good news today. He's actually been um, discharged from the hospital. He's doing okay. All the tests are okay. Um, I think they put uh, like a, basically a, a starter in his heart. So that doesn't happen again essentially like a, it's like a I forgot the medical term but it's like a mini starter that they kind of installed in his heart um so you know hopefully that doesn't happen again so shout out to him shout out to the soccer world in terms of you know just coming together and supporting him so um that's really my really six takeaways but you know I'll add that in all right so number one French drama and I said last week France is my favorite team, favorite national team. Um, I think they're the most talented team in this tournament. Most people 
think the same thing. They are the favorite to win. Um, but the one thing about France, and this is no matter what era it is, this is a, a country that's won two World Cups. They've won the Euros twice as well. There's a sense of self-implosion factor with them. <laughs> that scares me. Yes. So before the first game, Kylian Mbappe, who's, you know, the next superstar of the world, um, and then Olivier uh, Giroud, who's a forward, comes off the bench for them, but very experienced. He had a comment. <laughs> this was before leading up to their first game saying, oh, you know, certain people don't like to pass me the ball. Oh. So he made the assumption that was Kylian Mbappe. So, of course, the French media, as they do, they ask Kylian, and then Kylian falls for debate. Said, well, you know, essentially he says, he's like, well, you know, I don't have a problem with him saying it, but I just have a problem with him going to the media. Well, I'm like, well, Kylian, you're talking about it right now to the media. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it did cause a little, you know, there was a little drama there. Um, but I was impressed by their first game with Germany. Well, I'll say this. This kind of, I'll go into this on my fourth takeaway, but they played really well. It was a very blue collar win against Germany. Um, very technically strong game. At times they frustrate me because I feel like they allow other teams to get possession of the ball to try to go off the counter when they don't have to. They could have dominated the whole game and scored about three or four goals. Mm-hmm. But I see what they were trying to do. They were trying to, at the same time, win the game, but at the same time, work on their technical objectives at the same time. So I, I get it. Um, but in a tournament like this, you got to win the games when you can. You can't mess around too much. So can't play around with your food like yeah can't play around with your food um and they didn't necessarily play around with it because that was the game plan as far as how they like to play because they usually like to come off the counter attack mm-hmm. as you have Kylian Mbappe because you have um Kareem Benzema who's back finally um because you have Antoine Griezmann because you have Paul Pogba I mean you have these guys are just superstars um so I know they kind of like to play that way but I just think they're good enough to dominate the game offensively the whole game and not have to do that, but we'll see. So they won the first game. So we'll keep an eye on that. Of course, that's my pick, but again, that that's what scares me because there's other teams that are good, but what scared the the team that worries me the most is France because they get in their way. Mm -hmm. So second takeaway, I got to actually add another team on this. So Italy England and Holland actually get it right, or the Netherlands, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, Italy, first two games were phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Now the competition, they played Turkey in the first, in, 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 in one of the games, and Turkey's just not really that good right now. They're really I, I don't know what the heck's going on. But still, it's, it's good for them to have a good start. Now, Italy is known to have a lot of drama. they didn't even qualify for the world cup in 2018 so that tells you and italy is a world power yes they didn't even qualify for the world cup last time so that they always have some sort of drama but 
I do like what they're doing right now on offense. They're known to be very technically strong on defense, but they actually scored six goals so far. And all six goals were actually very good. They developed the play very well, passed the ball very well. The movement was very well. Their creativity was very well. So I, I'm impressed by Italy. Um, we'll see as the, as the competition gets stronger, we'll see if they can keep that up. Now, I did add England after their first game, but the second game against Scotland, I don't know what they were doing. But I'll still give them some credit because they've never won the first match of the Euros before, and they actually did this time. Um, the game against Scotland today, I think Darren Southgate, who's the coach for England, I think he overthought it a little bit. I think he was too conservative. I think he showed Scotland too much respect. They should have went more offensive and kind of put their foot on their neck a little bit. So they were so playing I, not to lose? Yeah, they were playing not to lose. And, and I get it because um, it's tough to put into context in terms of American sports, so the pressure that these teams are under from their country. Because if you can imagine, basically every sports outlet in the country – kind of converging and coming together to criticize one team. Oh, man. That's the pressure that these players are under for their country. So every little thing will get criticized. Even if you win, it'll be like, well, you won, but you didn't score enough goals. Oh, well, you won, but you didn't look good. Well, you won, but your lineup was garbage. Oh, you won, but, you know, we didn't like how you celebrated. I mean – Every little thing is dissected, and it's in each and every country, too. It's not specific to one country or not. Like, everybody is getting that smoke. So it's, it's a lot of pressure. So I think what happens, sometimes these coaches kind of get caught up in that um, and overthink it a bit instead of keeping it simple, but I digress. Um, and then the Netherlands, they've won their first two games. They're another country that is a world power that <laughs> – Drama, drama, drama. I don't know what the heck's going on in the Netherlands sometimes. They have a whole style of play that's copied around the world. Like, that's how legendary they are. And yet, they'll be World Cups where they don't qualify. There'll be European championships where they don't qualify. And it makes no sense. Yeah, how does but, that work? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it, it really doesn't. But they won their first two games. They look pretty good as well. They have a mix of young players and experienced players as well. So we'll see how they look going forward. Um, and then also I got to give a shout out to, to Belgium as well. Honorary mention. I mean, they're, they're phenomenal. They're the number one ranked team in the world from FIFA. I still think France is slightly better, but I'm not really surprised by Belgium's start because I mean, they're, they're the number one team in the world. So they're, they're looking pretty good. Takeaway number three, Cristiano Ronaldo is just a, simply a beast. Yeah. The man has now had the most uh, goals scored in a European competition. Out of everybody that's ever played in the Euros, out of all the countries in Europe, out of all the players that have played, he has the most goals in Euro history. He actually only needs three more goals now to have the most goals in out of all international competition players he only needs three more goals so he has the most goals ever in international competition he'll get that too <laughs> oh, i think he's going to get it in this tournament yeah. um and he's 36 and he's 
he's evolved his game because he's not obviously he's not he's not he's not young anymore so he's evolved his game but um but those of you who have seen him you know on instagram or just on tv i mean the guy is meticulous about how he takes care of his body maybe you probably saw the whole coca-cola fiasco <laughs> yeah when you sent me this i laughed so hard man. yeah so for those who don't know like he sat down at the pest conference and you know they have certain vendors that are you know promoting their product at the game or at the press conference there's two coca-cola bottles sitting there he sits down moves the coca-cola bottles to the side and then says agua basically said i don't drink i don't drink sugar water i drink water and Coca-Cola's stock actually dropped after that. So it was pretty insane. So now what's happening, and all the other players, in a jokingly matter, because uh, Paul Pogba for France, and the next day there was a Heineken bottle, like he moves it and then gets up and walks out. <laughs> <laughs> and then other players are now just kind of just making fun with it. So now it's somewhat of a little bit of a controversy, but... Um, <laughs> But that's why Cristiano Ronaldo's a beast. I'm telling you, like this dude single-handedly make a Coca-Cola company stock drop by simply moving their product to the side. That's like, like that's influence. <laughs> that's a little hot. <laughs> Man. And he don't care either. He's like, yeah, I drink water. I don't drink that stuff. So I'll move it again. He's like, don't have it at my press conference again. <laughs> so again, Cristiano Ronaldo's a beast. Number four, style versus substance. So this tournament has been very good. It's been a pleasant surprise because um, a lot of times with European countries, with how they decide to play the game of soccer, a lot of them are more conservative. A lot of them are more tactical. And unless if you really know the game, it is very boring to watch because you're not going to really understand what's going on. And a lot of times with the camera angle, with how it is, you don't really – see the whole field so you don't really understand the chess game that's going on in terms of uh, players making runs off the ball that you don't see but this tournament has been pretty good there's been a lot of goals um but i think it's been very interesting to see how certain teams play and the cause and effect that it has example spain their team that's had a lot of controversy coming in, one of their players actually tested positive for COVID. So leading into the tournament, they didn't practice. They all had to practice individually. Oh. They basically had a walkthrough like the day before the game and then they went out and played. <laughs> so crazy. But they actually played well. Um, and this was, again, Sweden dominated ball possession. And what Spain does... They will lull you to sleep, and then as the ball gets close, as they pass the ball closer to the opposing team's net, then they start moving like rapid fire. So created a lot of chances, looked very good, but couldn't score. Ah. <laughs> then you have teams like, for example, France, like I was saying before, they kind of played this they turned it on and then turned it off whenever they wanted. Like there was times where they said, okay, we're going to possess the ball and dictate the pace of this game. And then there were times where they said, okay, Germany, we're going to let you have the ball, but you're not going to do anything. 
and they win 1-0. And they actually created the same amount of chances, should have scored two goals, but both of them were offsides, which was ridiculous. Mm. But that just kind of tells you the style versus substance as far as like, you know, do we just focus on winning? Do we just focus on our style? Do we focus on development? Do we focus on development and winning? So it's been interesting to see how each club or each country has kind of decided to go through this tournament. Um, and again, another example is like England today. They were way too conservative, way too much in a shell, way too worried about, oh, well, we don't want to lose the game because the media is going to come after us. Well, if you were just worried about going out and dominating the game, you wouldn't have to worry about that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I digress. So, in that situation, you don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's very interesting to see because I think in, and we're going to talk about coaches, you know, here pretty soon, but coaches like to have at least in team sports coaches kind of coach off of this template and sometimes they're scared to kind of break out of that template Um, and sometimes that you know that frustrates players but um, it's just always interesting just to see how and especially in a tournament like this where you know in the group stage you may win your first game because really if you win if you get six points, you go through to the next round, really, realistically. So it's interesting to see, like, teams that tie their first game, how they come out in the second game, or teams that lose their first game, how they come out in the second game. Teams that win their first game, how they come out in the second game. Because it's all, like, all these little things are being contemplated, like, well, you know, if we can just tie, well, we can go through to the next round. Or if we can just, you know try to do our best to not let them score because there's goal differential as well. Right. We may not lose the game. We may lose the game, but we can only lose the game 1-0. It'll still give us a chance because the next country we're playing is a little weaker, so we think we can beat them. So that all has an influence in how the formations look and how they decide to play. So it's just been very interesting to watch kind of all that take place at one time with the style versus something. So Last but not least, a fifth takeaway, VAR absolutely sucks. So VAR stands for Video Assistant Referee. So essentially what it is, um, it's pretty much the same as the NFL and the NBA, how they have this more enhanced, like additional look at plays and review of plays and all of that. Like, I get it. But at the same time, it's very frustrating because – these referees are going literally by the book and there's a difference between going by the book and actually playing the game and understanding situations are different and how you call the game. Absolutely. So today Croatia is playing the Czech Republic and the Czech Republic gets a penalty kick. Now it was basically when you're watching the game, it was basically a routine play. The Czech Republic forward, the Croatian defender, both jumping up. And as you're taught in soccer, when you're jumping up for a header, you put your arms up to kind of protect your own head, right? right. right. So the Croatian defender has his arms out, jumps up, 
heads the ball out. And as he's jerking his body to head the ball out, he inadvertently, his elbow hits the Czech Republic player in the nose and he gets a bloody nose. Ooh. So painful, but you know, that, that the things, those things happen, right? Yeah. So now the, the VAR referee comes in. They're like, oh, we need to review that. Uh, so then they slow it down. Then they do the video. Then they do the different angles. And then they give the man a penalty kick. And that's a routine play that happens all the time. But technically, by the letter of the law, you know, any sort of contact with the elbow to the head is a penalty kick. But like, no, if his arms are already out and then he jumps up, that's different. It's, if he would have jumped, then put his arm out and extended his elbow in the man's face, okay, that's a penalty kick. But if he already jumps up and his arms are already out protecting himself and he so happens to hit the guy's face, well, really, that's on the dude that got hit because you're supposed to have your arms out too. You didn't have your arms out. Mm-hmm. That's why he got hit in the face. That's why he got hit in the face. So it's little things like that. And then there's just inconsistencies in how they call certain games, when they want to review it, when they want to actually you know, take a second look at the referee that called the, the foul or whatever they wanted to call on the actual field at the time. It's very inconsistent. So that's a frustration of mine. But again, you can, we can say the same thing about the NBA. We can say the same thing about the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think there's this focus on getting it right, which I'm okay with. But at the same time, if you're adding a video assistant referee, that doesn't necessarily clear it up. You're just adding another subjective opinion to what's happening. Yeah. Because we can all watch the same thing and have a different opinion on what happened. Something may be as clear as day to me, but somebody else watching is like, oh, well, that was a foul. Or like, what are you talking about? But <laughs> it's like that, it, you know, with elbows and rebounding, you know. Right, exactly. It's just... comes down and turns in, somebody tried to swipe at the ball. But, you know, they're taught, you know, keep your elbows out to protect, right? you know, from someone coming from behind you and hitting the ball. So mm-hmm. Right. I didn't know the dude was behind me. He got hit in the face. I didn't mean it. You know, right. like. Right. That's a, that's a perfect example. That's essentially what happened on that play. And, and of course, the Croatian defender was so pissed. So he's looking at the referee and he's walking up to the referee with his arms at his side. And I don't understand Croatian, but. I'm pretty sure he said, what do you want me to do? Jump up with my arms at my side? <laughs> and also, I mean, in that situation too, in order for you to do the headache, I mean, you have to create some type of torque in your body anyway. You have to create some sort of torque with your upper body to actually head it out because he's a defender. So obviously he's, his goal is not to head the ball into his own goal. Mm-hmm. He wants to head it back out into the field of play. So if he, the ball is coming this way and he actually, you know, twerks his body to head the ball in the other direction, I mean, yeah, his arms are going to move. Like, what do you want him to do? Yeah. So, but again, you know, technically by the book, you could say that's a penalty. But anybody that knows the game and knowing those situations happen, that you have a right to sort of defend yourself as a defender or even as an offensive player, that's not a penalty. So that's wild. But so that's my five takeaways for for week one. So 
that that's that's what I got. But other than that, even though it was very stressful watching it, I love it because again, I I've got soccer all day, so every day, and then basketball at night too. So I got yeah. So you know, my 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 lovely wife is a little annoyed with me right now. She's like, "What is this sports stuff over?" I'm just like, "Babe, just give me the middle of June to the middle of July, and then it's done." <laughs> like all these competitions. <laughs> Because all these competitions end around the same time, and yeah. then we'll, we're going to watch the Olympics together. Because we, you know, because she likes track and field, so mm-hmm. um, so I'm like, just give me till like mid July, and then like all these competitions are going to be done around the same time. So yeah. I had that same conversation with girl, girl. She's like, is this ever going? In? I'm like, yes, it's going. In. <laughs> and, and I was like, just don't worry about it. The finals is a little late this year, you yeah. know, so it'll be in July, but at least it's not in October like it was last year, right? right. And uh, then we'll have a nice little gap between uh, before football season starts. <laughs> right. Yeah, about a month or maybe a couple of months. You got a solid 30 days with me, girl. You got a yeah. solid 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that's my. Uh, that's my soccer analysis for this week. So, yeah, Good we'll see that next week. Yeah, yeah. More drama to come next week. Uh, all right. Well, what we're going to do is move into the NBA. Um, move into some NBA talk here. What we're going to do is we're going to throw it uh, to, to Coach K. He's got a couple of – this is Coach's Watch with Coach K. Got a couple of coaches you would like to talk about, and then we're, we're going to get into some of the coaching vacancies we got. So – what do you have for us this week, Coach K? Okay, he already mm. stressed, so this is gonna be good. <laughs> he didn't even say one word. He already <laughs> leaning back. Like I'm always stressed, man. The the team that stresses me out the most is the Milwaukee Bucks. I've already decided that if I if the Milwaukee Bucks win, there's gonna be no more Coach K NBA segments. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even gonna sign on, bro. Um, it's just, <laughs> oh, it's just like watching the game, and like you see, I, I don't know, I don't know what type of plays Boot and Hoser is calling, but like I'm seeing, like I'm pretty sure everybody saw uh, the play where James <laughs> James Harden waved off the double team, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> On one leg. <laughs> On one leg. And and uh Giannis like turns around and shoots a fadeaway and misses. I'm I don't know, man. Like if, if James Harden is guarding you, bro, like you should be attacking the basket. I mean, isn't that the be- the thing he does the best anyways? Nah, but he uh That's why they won last night, is he, he wasn't doing all that. Ridiculousness. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, I, maybe somebody got to him. Maybe somebody got to him and told him, like, bro, stick to your strengths. Yeah. And I'm just like, and I'm looking at Brooke Lopez out here trying to shoot threes. I'm like, bro, attack the basket. Like, <laughs> the tallest man out there. Mm-hmm. Tallest man out there. Out there. So I don't know. Like, I'm just seeing stuff like that. Just, I don't know. Like, the biggest reason I say they need a need a uh, new coach is they've been in the same position they've been in for the past four years. Giannis has not improved. The only thing they did was was uh, get Drew Holiday, and I mean that's about it. 
So, I mean, granted, Chris Milton did play well the other night, so that's a big reason why they won. But I don't know. I'm still, I'm still expecting. I mean, I'm starting to see uh, James Harden, and if Kawhi, I mean Kawhi, if, if Kyrie comes back, it's it's a wrap. Like they they've got nothing. So I, st- <laughs> um, and for, for and for God's sake, man, like please just have. Um, like have uh, Giannis guard. If, if Giannis is a former defensive player of the year, like have that man guard the best player. It should be the best. Like when I watch the Bucks, like I shouldn't, I shouldn't see, I shouldn't see PJ Tucker guarding uh, um, <laughs> Giannis. I mean, uh, PJ Tucker guarding KD. I want to see the best player go up against the best player. So. No, but yeah, um, I can't. Next coach I had on that on the coach's watch was um. I mean, you guys know how I feel about Tyloo, but I can't. I can't really say nothing about him because they lost. But I mean, at the same time, like you got Donovan Mitchell like playing hurt, so we'll see. We'll see what happens because Conley's supposed to come back for Game Six, but um. I think that's another one too. Like I'm not, I'm not. A, I think, I think what'll really tell, like, if, uh, if my like, if my my mindset is going to change on Tyloo is, is if they can win this, uh, if they can actually get to the Western Conference Finals. But so he's got to win this round. If they if they win another game, if they win tonight. You, I don't think it's going to happen though. Like. That's another thing. Paul George doesn't play consistently, so I don't know. Like I've I've always had questions about like some of the lineups. Like he'll he'll go to a lineup that he's never even had out there before, and, and just to try to make a change. But I don't know. Uh, I think the one good thing he has done is Reggie. He's he's kind of stuck with Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson has been has been delivering for him. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's, so, that's been a good move. Yeah, and. And I've seen Patrick Beverly get little to no playing time, which that's that should always be in, in the game plan. So <laughs> I I can't really criticize I can't really criticize that much. Um, the other person on the on the on the chopping block, Doc Rose. Come on, bro! Like this 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 man has not been able to. I don't know if he's just allergic to – he's allergic to his own success. Like, he'll do good up until, like, can't get to the can't get to the conference finals. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I don't know. And and this time, it's like – I think by now, you should have been able to figure something out to <laughs> – something out. Like, you should not be in this position at all. But – You shouldn't be. Shit, right? no. yeah. I don't know. I would, I would pull like Ben Simmons would not see more PT for the rest of the series. Like that's how I feel right now. But <laughs> I'll just sit him down, bro. Or at least sit him down for the fourth quarter. It's just oh, been pathetic. They are up six, uh, almost into the, the third quarter. So, oh, I, I, I don't want to see Doc Rivers get get slandered I like don't. I need them to pull it off <laughs> I'm not I'm not like I, I I have too much respect for Doc Rivers but I mean 
history is not on his side, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. He, he's given up the most leads and everything like that out of, you know, coaches in NBA history. That's yeah. not a coincidence. That's, that's, a, that's a trend. I mm-hmm. so. Yeah, but anyways, uh, my prediction is that uh, we probably have another uh, coaching carousel with the 76ers, Clippers, and with the Milwaukee Bucks. That's my prediction. <laughs> You'll fire him after one season, Doc Rivers. I think they would. Man. He carries that curse with him everywhere he goes. Everywhere. Plus, I want to see Doc Rivers coach the Bulls. Oh, God. <laughs> so you have selfish <laughs> intentions is what you're saying. So you can benefit And the truth hey, comes man. out. Yes. It's oh, always God. about the Bulls. Always about the Bulls. <laughs> it is. See, the Bulls curse and the Doc Rivers curse, you cancel each other out, which equals success. Two negatives equal a positive. Yeah, uh, except if you're adding them instead of multiplying them, then you're still <laughs> That's true. That. Well, we're multiplying here. <laughs> well, you know, as we're about to talk about, you know, that logic, that may be some of the logic that some of these execs are using because, you know, we don't understand right. where some of these hires – why they get some of these players. So maybe that logic is what they're thinking. Yeah, I'm just like, I hear about D'Antoni, like, might be looking at another, somebody's looking at him, and I'm just like, D'Antoni, the Blazers. Yeah. Nope. That makes no sense. (laughs) No sense at all. Well, yeah. I guess that's a good segue into the next segment. That is, that's a, that's a wonderful segue to the coaching carousel. Here we come all aboard here. So uh, what I'm going to do is quickly just kind of go through each of the vacancies and then drop a name or two of someone I think will be good for the role. Okay, so uh, for, we'll, we'll start out in Washington. Scotty Brooks is out the door. You know, Thank God. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, I mean, if, if I were them, I would just go with um, – I would, I would I would look toward Denver and grab Wes Unsell Jr. Uh, you know, you know, it's besides besides the fact that his father is like the best player in the Washington franchise's history, you know, dating back from to the Bullets, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. But I I think he has done a wonderful job, and this is some of the issues that we we don't get to see how beneficial these assistant coaches actually are. You know, unless you're in the locker room, unless you're, you know, a player on the team or a fellow coach, you don't get to see the impact that these guys actually have. Uh, So when we think of filling head coaching vacancies, we just say, oh, we'll just grab someone else that's a head coach and then plug them in somewhere and it should work out. Right. So, I know, like there's some folks that have been backing up these head coaches that have soaked things up like a sponge, the good, the bad and the ugly that are able to contribute to teams. I think Wes Unseld is a, is a good example of that. Uh, when you look at how fluid uh, Denver's um, offense and defense is, you know, so Mike Malone does deserve a lot of credit for that, but his entire coaching staff is the one that instills that and installs that in players. What I see from a, just from having a good coach to having a great coaching staff is your development of players. Do I see your players getting better each year? 
you know, that's something that speaks to the staff's development because there's a lot of people that are working, you know, one-on-one or by positions with these guys. So he's an example of that. Um, Orlando, you know, I was, I was going between Darvin Ham or Fred Vincent. Uh, Fred Vincent is um, assistant coach in uh, New Orleans. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people are looking at him for the New Orleans job. And so that would make sense too. Uh, but I think it would be nice to have a fresh face because what I'm worried about is it's hard to get to sell someone on a, on a job or sell the organization for a person that is new to head coaching when the organization is kind of, they have something going on. They have a nucleus. They don't want to waste the time, right, with this new face that's going to be a new head coaching. Where Orlando completely blew it up. Like, they traded four of their five, you know, starters pretty much in the middle of the season. Uh, you know, some of them the Chicago. So I'm looking at, hey, this is a good opportunity for a young, fresh head coaching face to have an impact on a franchise that is starting from the ground up. Let him bring, help bring in his players and let's see what he can do with them. Because if you're Orlando, you have a history of making horrible decisions and messing things up anyway. Why don't you just give it to somebody else to let them try to do something with it? Okay. Indiana, I, I have Terry Stotts for Indiana. I, I do, you know, when I, as much as I complained about the Portland's lack of defense, I did say that Terry Stotts deserves to be a head coach in this league. It just wasn't important. That wasn't a good match for him. But see, Indiana offers something uh, that Portland never did. Because Indiana Anna is already actually pretty good on defense. They have a lot, they have some a really good nucleus of players that defense is what they do, you know. So for Miles Turner, you know, who pretty much every year can lead the league in blocks per game. Uh, you have Malcolm Brogdon and others who are, you know, Sabonis, who are pretty good defenders. But they need a more fluid offense. Now, what did Terry Stiles do well in Portland? Is install more fluid offense. So let's try, let's try that and bring them in there. Um, you got a, a lot of young cats, so you have some time to develop there. I think he'll be a good look at Indiana. Uh, that leads me to Portland. I do not want to see Mike D'Antoni in Portland. That is the antithesis of what you need as a franchise. Okay. What you need is someone that not only can establish credibility, but has you know, uh, a defensive nature about them, either as a player or in their, co you know, especially for those that had defensive prowess as a player, it most likely follows their coaching philosophy because they know what defense can do. So when people throw around Chauncey Billups's name, I'm like, yeah, that is a new face, but mm -hmm. he's a guard. Who is your best player? Point guard. Okay, so you have some good looks there. And then what did Chauncey Billups do really well? And what was part of the Detroit Pistons philosophy was defense. They were never, ever the best offensive team, not even close to it in the NBA. But they knew how to shut you down. So you don't think he has some knowledge up there that he's able to relate? Because he doesn't need to do a lot of tweaking because the offense is actually pretty good for the most part. They need to still a defensive culture, a toughness about them. I think Chauncey Billups could do a pretty good job there. Uh, Boston, I'm going to go to Sam Cassell, knows the culture as a, an assistant coach and a, as a player, uh, a championship pedigree, hard-nosed defender, uh, very intelligent basketball player. He was never the, 
the best shooter. He was never the fastest, never the strongest, never the most skilled, but he knew how to get the job done. And he knew how to get the job done in different franchises, which speaks to his consistency. Boston needs consistency at this point in time because they've had players in and out of the, of the, of the roster. Um, they've had some questionable front office decisions. So if, um, if, if the new GM, you know, if so, if this GM, Bradley Stevens, is, is, if he's going to make, if he's going to be like Danny Ainge, <laughs> like to what you said, Coach Nighty, if he's going to be like Danny Ainge, no coach actually stands a chance there in Boston. It's just not going to work. But if he's going to be able to look at it and say, you know what, I'm not going to go all in on these draft picks, but I need to develop an actual team through a mixture of draft picks, but acquiring people that I know can get the job done already uh, to be able to build a team. I think Sam Cassell would do well with that. Dallas, I'm going to go with Jamal Mosley. So Jamal Mosley, for those who don't know, is an assistant coach there in Dallas already. So what we see is the biggest piece of this was not Rick Carlisle stepping down. It was Donnie Nelson. That was, that was the big tell to me. And I said, okay, they're trying to make a culture shift, right? If you need major tweaks to how your team is ran, just like players X's nose, you fire your coach. You don't fire the GM or like ask him to step down, which pretty much means that they were going to fire him if he didn't agree to step down. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but Jamal Moses, so what you want to do is you have a, 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 a player in Luca who is, you know, up for a max contract here. So and you want to make sure that he's happy. Okay? You want to make sure you can build a team around him. But you don't want to give him too much change at, at, at one time. So having a coach that he hasn't built a relationship with and a GM that he hasn't built a relationship with, that's going to set you back a little bit. You know, so what I would do is if you need to get a new GM, then get a new GM. But the coach should be someone that he's familiar with. One out of the two, at least, should be someone he's familiar with. But Jamal Mosley, him and Luca actually have a really good relationship. Uh, he trusts Jamal Mosley. They work well together as assistant coach and player. Uh, so that would give him a familiar face in the locker room, someone he trusts while they're making this culture shift. That would be my pick there. Um, and then, okay, so y'all going to kill me for this. Also, I, I tell you, I look at it as far as Mark Cuban is concerned, like <laughs> – you don't, you don't become a billionaire by making the same mistakes over and over again. You can become a billionaire and make mistakes. That's part of the risk reward system that we have, right? But you don't want to make the same mistakes. I want you to think about Dallas in the past, have an international superstar that they wasted his time for, most, for the most part. Oh, wait, that's happened before. That's Dirk Nowitzki, mm -hmm. right? A lot of Dirk's career was wasted. You got a, a, a blip here in 2006 when D-Wade took over the finals and Dallas lost, and then you, got, you finally got to the finish line in 2011 when the heat collapsed. So, like, you have those moments, but, I mean, dude was drafted, what, 98? So, like, that's a lot of time wasted. And I think Mark Cuban was thinking, like, yo, I don't want to make the same mistake twice. Let's get this together now mm -hmm. so we don't waste Lucas' time here. Uh, so that, that's why I think he, he uh, made those moves. And, you know, they have Dirk Nowitzki being an advisor, you know, being a consultant, which I think is really good because I think he's someone that 
because him and Luke have a good relationship, you have a mentor in his ear, someone to help him through this, this cautious shift process. From New Orleans, I'm taking a risk on this one. I just talked about risk. I'm taking a risk on this one. Y'all gonna hate me for this one. All right, but I think it could work. I have Mike D'Antoni to New Orleans. And <laughs> this is, I know, uh, wait, wait. Okay, Coach K is left. Oh, wait. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, think of it like this. What, what is he really good at? He's able to make a high-powered offense, especially with young stars. Right? Who do you have on the Pelicans? You have Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and Zion. Steve Nash, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire. The exact same positions. So, like, I think he can be the pulse with that, with the offense that he produces for that young talent. That can make them even more competitive. Because right now, Stan Van Gundy, I don't even know why they hired him. Like, he... Not that he's a bad coach, but he's just not a good fit for that team. Uh, I think some of the coaches are stuck to their templates that they that they have. You know, we talked about that earlier. But yeah, I I think he is an experienced coach because then you're also looking at Zion and all this drama that's going around him not being happy that he was drafted there. His family's not happy. So if he gets a chance to get out. He might. So you got to do something fast. You need quick results with Zion. Yeah. So that's why I'm thinking Mike D'Antoni's established coach, run the offense, get, get Zion excited and say, hey, there's some potential here. He might sign another deal with you. So I know that was long, but that's my coaching carousel. Uh, so I'm going to kick it to uh, you, Coach Natty T. What do you got for us? I mean – have much to add because who who did you say for uh for Portland? Chauncey. For Chauncey, okay. Yeah, I mean <sighs> yeah, because thinking about it, um because you know who I actually thought would be maybe not necessarily an out-of-the-box pick, but would be very interesting to see. And I think Mark Cuban would have the gumption to do it. Becky Hammett. Mm -hmm. I think her and Luca could have a connection there because she's a point. She was a point guard as well. And yes. she, she could hoop. Um, and I think, you know, coming from the Spurs and, you know, the respect that she has from guys like Tony Parker and guys like Tim Duncan, um, I would like to see that happen. That would be very interesting. Yes. Because um, she, you know, obviously she knows her stuff and, and all of that. So, I, and again, I think Mark Cuban, and again, he's, he's a polarizing guy. Um, but I think he would be the one to kind of make that move to me because yes. he's just kind of, that's just kind of his personality a little bit. So that's what I thought of with, um, with the Mavericks. Um, for Boston, um, 
I like I like the Sam Cassell because I like the connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought about um, Jason Kidd possibly. Mm. Like maybe, and then really, I was thinking Jason Kidd more so for New Orleans. Um, I think him and him and Zion would. I think that would be a good connection there. Um, and I like your Chauncey Billups with with. Uh, with Portland. I also feel like Chauncey Billups with New Orleans would, would, would work really well too. Yeah. You know, so um, in terms of, because since you kind of went through this, the, the, the list of teams, um, I think I'll probably go more towards coaches I definitely want to see get an opportunity. Right. Um, so for me, Becky Hammond, um, yeah. I, I think she's, She's earned her stripes in San Antonio, um, and I think she would do a good job wherever she would land. Well, not wherever she would land. I think in a good position. Um, I, I wouldn't want to see her like coach Orlando or something like that because they're not going anywhere. Like I want to see her get like a solid opportunity to see what she can do. Yeah, her and Don Staley are up for interviews for a couple. Yeah, of- Don Staley as well. Um, I, I would probably lean more towards Becky just because I think that San Antonio lineage is strong. (laughs) And she's, I mean, she's been on the sideline. I mean, she's been there. So to me, like, to me, it's a no brainer. Like, I mean, she, her resume, as far as being an assistant coach with San Antonio is more impressive than, I mean, a lot of these coaches that I'm going to name off, just in terms of their coaching resume, in my opinion. Um, Chauncey Billups, I just think, I know he's, this was his first year being an assistant coach, but I think he's been, I mean, his years in Detroit, I mean, he was a head coach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. his whole game mm-hmm. screams to me that you were going to be a coach in the NBA eventually. Because mm-hmm. that's just, that, that was just his mentality. That was his drive. That was his <laughs> style. Um, Sam Cassell. I like that. I like that idea as well. I think Saints kind of similar to Chauncey Billups. I think when you saw him play, you saw this guy's going to be a head coach in this league. Yes. Um, Jawan Howard. You think, think he's going to get him from Michigan? Michigan? Well, I think I think he wants to coach in the NBA. I mean, I think that's that's his goal. And then, yeah, the Michigan job, the, the timing worked out to where he could go there and, and, and coach. But I think if, if, you know, if a Portland came calling, if a Dallas came calling, if a Boston came calling, I, I think he's picking up the phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? He'll at least entertain it, at least. Yeah, he's going to entertain it. So, you know, again, I think guys like him, he was with Miami a lot of those years. And – Again, like I, I think with this whole analytics movement and you know and all of that, I mean that's fine. But you know these guys know the game. These guys have coached the game. These guys understand the modern day player, if you will, in terms yeah. of how to connect with them. So mm-hmm. I would love to see Jawan Howard get get a shot. Um, and then also, oh man, his name is simple me. Um, because he's an assistant coach on the Nets. Because um, he's married to, uh, I always forget how to say his name. 
because um, he's married to Nia Long. He's um, already a good decision maker. That's all. <laughs> well, that's what that's what I'm saying. Uh, what's how do you say? Yeah, Ime Udoka. Okay. Yep, I see it. Yep. Because I think he's been he's been an assistant for a while as well, um, and he's been an, and obviously more recently on the Nets. But you know he's been assistant for San Antonio for a while. Cause that's because he used to play for there. He's got that. You know what I mean. So True. I would like to see him get a shot because I, I just feel like guys like that have have earned their stripes as yeah. as coaches in this league. And you know I would love to see him get get an opportunity rather than the same standing and the, you know, um, <laughs> I, I just, I don't want to see the same recycled coaches again. Um, yeah. You know, I know Mike D'Antoni and I think, I think coach K you, you've said this before in, in one of our past conversations in our group chat. Um, you know, I think Mike D'Antoni actually deserves a lot of credit for the style of play in the NBA today. I mean, he was really the originator of, you know, kind of this small ball, high octane offense yeah. type of mentality. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think he gets enough credit for that because now everybody just wants to shoot threes and then just have these quick possessions and just take yeah. as much shots as you possibly can. That was Mike D'Antoni. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, although I don't, you know, he, I, I think he doesn't get a lot of credit for that. But at the same time, I mean, he's had – plenty of coaching opportunities not that he doesn't deserve yeah that doesn't mean that he should be he should never coach again but i for me i would give one of these other guys a chance before i'll go to mike d'antoni because as great as his offense is as we saw with the nets this year um you know if i'm looking for a coach that's going to get me over the hump i don't think he's that guy i think he can bring you to the hump but he's not gonna let you get over there now, what do you think of this? So let's just say, uh, we'll stick, just to make it easier, we'll say New Orleans. Let's just say my Dan Tony ends up being somewhere in that coaching organization. What if they brought along with them, because they're still missing the defense because they were a horrible defensive team last mm-hmm. year. But like, what if a, a David Fisdale or something like that joined mm-hmm. him? So now you had a coaching combination of those two guys Fisdale bringing the defense, having their respective players, being able to communicate really well with young athletes in particular with D'Antoni's creative offense. Do you think something like that could work? Well, I think that they've, they've kind of done that at other places, but I think the other side to D'Antoni come playoff time is the adjustments. I don't think he makes adjustments. I think he, they kind of rely on doing what they do. Um, and Coach K, you're going to laugh at this, but like, for instance, in this game five with the Clippers, I got to give Coach Tyloo a lot of credit because watching the game, you can clearly see, and they started to do this in game three and four, when, obviously when Kawhi was, was healthy. Mm-hmm. They went smaller. Yes. That was a coaching shift that he did. And the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. He finally realized, like, Wherever Rudy Gobert is on the court, we're going to swing the ball to that side and then run the pick and roll. So that way he's on the outside and he's uncomfortable. Because that's why game five, Reggie Jackson has such a great game because there was numerous times 
They switched the ball to where uh, Rudy Gobert was, got him in the pick and roll, and then it was Rudy on Reggie. And then Reggie was like, oh, I'm taking this dude on the outside. Like, he went off. Yeah. Right. So I thought Ty Lue did a good job there. Now, to your point, Coach JB3, he does have Sam Cassell and Chauncey Billows as his assistant. So maybe that was a collective hey like maybe we should do this maybe we should do that so that could have been a collective thing but I still give coach Lou you know Ty Lou credit for at least making that decision because he's he's the one making the final decision he could have just said nah we're just gonna try to do what we do um so that's just an example and I think if Mike D'Antoni is in that spot they're not making any changes he's just like nah we're just gonna shoot threes and that's it so Someone like Fizdo would need to be the head coach and D'Antoni be the assistant coach. I mean, to be totally honest with you, I think the – obviously they've had injuries, but with the Brooklyn Nets, I, like, I'm really shocked at what Steve Nash has been able to do in this first year. Now, he has Mike D'Antoni as an assistant. He even has Amari Stoudemire as an assistant. That may be a name we can look out for in future years yeah. as well. Yeah. Um. But I've been impressed with how he's been able to manage everything. So to your point, I think he's kind of relying on, um, you know, Mike D'Antoni because he has that head coaching experience to kind of like help guide in certain in those certain situations. So I I would love to have Mike D'Antoni as my offensive coordinator, if yeah, you will. Absolutely. Because um, to your point, I mean, his offenses are phenomenal, and they all no matter how many superstars are there they always seem to be happy on offense. And I think that's a testament to his philosophy and his system. So, you know, I think as an offensive coordinator, he would be fantastic, but I I wouldn't have my head coach. They need to build hype in the city of New Orleans, man. They need to make people excited to play there, perhaps make them want to be there. And the way that they're running things isn't going to get it done. I mean, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, Lonzo, you know, his numbers would – you know, between him and B.I. I mean, even even Zion, I think they would let him, you know, handle the ball a bit more. You know, all of their numbers would go through the roof. So it's just a matter of could they really put it together. Um, so it'd be, it's an interesting thought. Man, yeah, we, we won't see. Man, there's so many vacancies to be filled. It's just are. people are just dropping like flies, it seemed like, um, past couple weeks especially. Yeah, no, I'm gonna say, I, I'm probably gonna throw some names out here that's gonna have raise a few eyebrows, but that's what I'm here for. As long as you don't say (laughs) Billy Donovan, don't say Billy Donovan, please. As long as as you don't say Ken Harris, I'm like, I'll take you seriously. Well, actually, I do have Coach K on here, (laughs) (laughs) like Pelicans. Uh well I mean I know coach Coach K is retiring after this next year but mm-hmm. I think it'd be interesting to see him coach a young team. Um, at least be an advisor like a consultant or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Pelicans, I like I actually did have um Jason uh I had. <clears throat> I had Jason Kidd in a couple different spots. I would like to see him with the Pelicans. Okay. I think that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, I'd like to I'd like to see what he could possibly do with the Mavs. 
I think that pairing will be interesting. Like Luca and J- Luca and Jason Kidd, um, especially like how good of a distributor of the ball Jason Kidd was. I think I think that would, I think I think that he could do some things there. Especially, um, we saw what he did with the Bucks in the early years. So, um, for the Pacers. <laughs> Uh, I don't don't know how y'all feel about this one because this dude already had a shot, but it'd be interesting to see. I don't know. I kind of want to see if if Mike Brown could do something with the Pacers. I mean, he's – Like Cleveland Mike Brown? I'm not not Cleveland Mike Brown. Golden State Mike Brown. Oh, oh, (laughs) jeez. I mean, that's marginally better. Like – Mike Brown, like he 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 always looked like he never knew what was going on. Like if you just mm-hmm. look at him on the sideline and look at his facial expressions, he always looks confused. Yeah, that Mike Brown. So like I was saying, <laughs> I don't know. I just want to see if he could do something. Okay, it's more my curiosity. Plus, I don't like the Pacers, anyways. <sighs> Uh, Orlando, I got Penny Hardaway. Mm. Yeah. Think they could lure him away from Memphis? Heck yeah. I think they could. (laughs) I think they could. Um, All those guys want to coach in the NBA. I mean, not to say they don't want to coach in college, but all those former NBA players, they want to coach in the NBA. Mm. Yeah. I did have Chauncey Chauncey Billups in Portland. Okay. Um, for Boston, I like the I mean I like the idea of San Cassell, but I also like the idea of maybe a Becky Hammond. I think that could work. Also, Larry Bird, former Coach of the Year. I think bring back bring back some prestige to the franchise franchise. That would be a good sell. I mean, listen, they if they can make that happen, Boston would absolutely lose its mind in a good yeah. way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but Becky M is not bad for that one too. Uh, you know, yeah. Austin might be a good spot for her too. Mm-hmm. Actually, I forgot for the Mavs, I also was thinking like Mark Jackson. Uh, with the offense that he built, I mean, he built the the skeleton offense of, of the Warriors. Okay. So I mean, I think that's something to consider. I mean, they're in a point right now where they need to build around uh, Luca. So I say go for it. I think that would be a good choice. Mm-hmm. The Wizards. They can get whoever the hell the heck they want, but I don't care about the Wizards. I I'm tired. I'm t- I'm tired of seeing. Uh, I'm tired. I hope Westbrook and uh, Bill and um, Bradley Beal leave. So I hope I hope I hope the Wizards gets parceled off to like they just trade off the team or send it to a new city. Washington. Washington does yeah. a really tough sell at this point. Say so what? I said Washington is a tough selling point right now. Uh, yeah, both I, I just, agent and, and the head coach. 
I just don't know who you get to go there. Um, it, it would have to be one of these young cats that's just looking for an opportunity to prove themselves as a head coach. Yeah. It, it has to be one of them. That's why I went with West, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm a – I'll go with Billy Donovan. <laughs> oh, my. It's the one name that we said not to bring <laughs> this conversation. I'm, I'm just going I'm – just, I'm just going off of that just because, like, I don't have any – I don't have any rhyme or reason why I'm saying Billy Donovan, but <laughs> – just so he can go away from Chicago. <laughs> just so he can get away from Chicago. <laughs> He's just trying to package him up and get trying him. to get him out of here and trying to get Doc Rivers. Oh. Um. Yeah. It. I I can't really think of too many options for for the Wizards. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Carlisle might be a good fit. Possibly, yeah. He still wants to coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, from my understanding, he still does. Like, I think he's going to – I don't think he's going to stay retired. Mm-hmm. I think he left just because the writing was on the wall. Yeah. That's just my – that's what I think. I can see that. Well, there's our coaching carousel right there. We'll keep we'll keep our uh, stay tuned and see what's going on as things change. And who knows, maybe in another week or two, there'll be some more coaching vacancies for us to talk about. It will. There, yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, well, we're going to get to our second round playoff analysis. So, Coach Natty, if you want to kick us off here on um, just your thoughts of what you're seeing so far in this round and who do you have winning each matchup? Yeah, man, so... I don't know. It's 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 interesting, um, and I you know we'll, we'll talk about this in our in our next topic a little bit. But uh, <laughs> the inconsistency of just I guess the overall inconsistency is pretty mind boggling to me. Um, you know, part of that is the injuries, and again, we're we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but. Um, still, it's just amazing to see just the inconsistency of, of these players because, uh, you know, you guys brought up like Chris Middleton and like he's played well at home, <laughs> but on the road, I mean, he's a completely different guy. And, and usually, and I think I heard um, Charles Barkley say this on, on, one, on, uh, on Inside the NBA one, one of those nights. You know, because he was saying, you know, as, as it's amazing to him, you know, as long as he's, you know, been in the league playing and then analyzing the league as well, you know, it's just amazing to see how that hasn't really changed, how guys like struggle on the road and then play well at home. And usually that's what I think the slight difference is usually that separates, you know, regular players, you know, bench players, starters you know, all-star players, superstar players, usually that's what separates them. But, I mean, we're seeing, you know, superstar players doing the same thing. Yeah. So it's like, it's amazing. Because, again, like, um, well, Kawhi, obviously, he's hurt now. But, you know, the Clippers, I mean, they're just, you don't know what you're going to get. 
the nope. Sixers. You don't know what you're going to get. Milwaukee, nope. like, I mean, obviously they flamed out these past few years, so I guess you can kind of pr- – that's somewhat predictable. But still, like, they're just – this last game in game six. I mean, Giannis all of a sudden, like, oh, I need to go to the basket. But then <laughs> – but he did that in game um, in game four as well, game three and four. He was attacking the basket, attacking the basket, wasn't shooting. And then, as you said, Coach K, game five, do this. James Harden on him with one leg, and he takes a, a, fa- a turnaround fadeaway. Like, wh- oh. what? <laughs> That. Uh, so you know uh, it's a, it's just amazing to see just just the inconsistency of of these teams but i guess going into more the actual game analysis so i guess we'll start with well we'll go tomorrow night first i guess you know with brooklyn and um milwaukee <sighs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Brooklyn because I mean I picked them in six. So I get I'm just gonna stay consistent with picking Brooklyn. But the thing is, as crazy as this may sound, it really depends on what Milwaukee Bucks team you're gonna get. Yeah. Because I feel like at the beginning of the game, you can tell how the game is gonna go. Because if they're even if they're even if they come out hot like they did in Game Five. Because they were shooting a lot of threes, a lot of outside shots. But I'm like, y'all going to cool off eventually. Similar to Utah and the Clippers, the last game. And, yeah. Right? So I don't know what Milwaukee I'm going to get. I don't know if Giannis is, is going to feel like he's going to go to the basket or not. Because, you know, when he decides to do that, I mean, he's pretty tough to deal with from a Brooklyn perspective because they just don't have that – defensive structure as a like a Miami did last year or Toronto did the year before to collectively put the wall up around him and he's just completely done you know what I mean they still guard him one-on-one yes I don't know what I'm gonna get from him I don't know what I'm gonna get from Chris Middleton so I don't know what I'm gonna get from Drew Holiday because I don't know what he was doing either yes and I like Drew Holiday, but I'm like, every time James Harden's guarding him is like every other time he wanted to go to the basket. It's like, dude, he's on one leg. Yeah, just take him. Just take him. Like, he's he's popping Shit. back and shooting threes. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? So if the – I'm going to pick Brooklyn because, again, I, I'm going to just stay consistent with that because I, I picked them to win the series. But I, I think KD is going to get KD numbers, going to be somewhere in the 30s. At minimum, um, you know, make you know, twelve rebounds, eight assists, something like that. He's going to be, his numbers are going to be there. <laughs> James Harden has had a tough go, understandably, because he hasn't played and he has a hamstring. I have to think he's probably hit a few more shots this time because now he's played two games, so maybe you know they can get a little bit more rhythm going. Um, and I think the role players will play better at home as they've done all series. Yeah. But your Mike James is your Blake Griffin, your Jeff greens. Um, I think all those guys will play better collectively at home. So, and the other issue I have with Milwaukee, I think when the game is close, they have issues because that's why KD was guarding 
Chris Middleton and not Giannis at the end of the game because he knew if anyone was going to quote unquote close this game, it was going to be Chris Middleton, not Giannis. Yes. That's a problem because Giannis is your best player, but you can't give him the ball because he can't hit his free throws. Um, so I got I got the Nets winning in a close game. I don't have a score or anything, but that's that's my prediction for that one. We can go um, match by match. Okay. All right. So, Coach, Coach K, do you want to do uh, a Brooklyn Milwaukee? Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's tough, man. Got... You don't know what you don't know what Milwaukee you will get. You really don't know. I don't know. I can tell you which one you're going to get. You're going to get uh, Chris Middleton. I think he's probably going to have like nine. I'll give him 19, 19 points. Oh, that's a loss, dude. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge <laughs> yeah, he's going to <laughs> yeah, Drew Holiday. A- Drew Holiday, I'll probably give 15, 15, 18. Um, PJ Tucker, I'll give zero points. Um, <laughs> Brooke Lopez, I'll give 10 points. And uh, Giannis, I'll give 21 points. I'll give him 22. I'll give him 22. Uh, I think I think KD is going to get the job done. I mean, I think he's going to have to score like 45 points, 40 – uh, at least at least 40 to 45 points for him to get the win. Sure. I think James Harden will probably get like, I don't know. Um, but I'm looking for James to hopefully get some of the other guys involved a little bit more, especially Joe Harris. I think Joe Harris, Joe's going to have to get, he's going to have to contribute something. I mean, like, Yo, even if he like, even if he put like a couple dollars in the offering, you know what I'm saying? It still goes towards something like the bigger <laughs> picture, you know, build another church. So, I mean, come on, Joe, help, help build the church, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I think, fun that never gets built. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Griff, I think Blake's gonna have a good game. Um. I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say Joe's gonna have a, a decent game. Um, the law of averages Kate... gotta commence at some point because he's he's the probably... highest. You now I'm saying the laws of averages gotta commence. It has to. It has to. The highest, like I mean, like he's the highest, what... the highest percentage from three, even above Steph. Right. That doesn't make any sense. They've gotta me. go down yeah. eventually. My yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I'm thinking. Um, I. I think it'll be – I think it'll be a – I think they'll win by, like, about 10 points. Oh, that's Not a, a that, that's a blowout, then, by playoff standards, technically, at least if you have <laughs> Vegas. Yeah, I just <laughs> – I don't have faith in the coach. I don't, I, I've never had faith in Giannis. Um, I – I don't know. Like this team, like when the when the when the lights at its brightest, like I, I I always expect them to fail. Like Giannis is a number number two, maybe even a number three. Mm. He can't carry team. Okay. 
this is one of two, you know, actually, all the series that are remaining are just confusing the heck out of me. Like, I just don't. You and everybody else. It's, I mean, even, even now, I'm looking like, okay, Philly's making a statement tonight. Atlanta's come back and they have a, they're down by one now with like a minute 58 left. Like Atlanta can win this game. There's enough time for Atlanta to win this and send the number one seal. Okay. Anyway, uh, this series, I don't, it's hard when your second player is, you know, at best probably 75% of himself and Kyrie's not there. And pretty much the other team, all their guys are, are good to go. So, you know what? I'm going to just go ahead. I'm going to give him one more chance. Because I agree with your – that what will most likely happen is that James is going to play a little better and KD is going to have one of his historic KD games and they're going to win. I, too, pick Brooklyn. But I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going with Milwaukee. I'm going to go with Milwaukee in this. That's season. no limb at all. This thing should have been done in six. <laughs> but it feels like a limb. That's how like, <laughs> confident I am about this whole entire situation, this whole entire playoffs. As like, soon as Kyrie went down, man. like this should have been a wrap. Like seriously. Because to your point, they have nobody injured. Out of all these teams, have somebody injured except them. So like they're the player they they got her is DiVincenzo. I think that's the only guy. I that's know. it. That's, that's it. it. Yeah. Like I I'm looking at it like Giannis. This is your time. This is your moment. You have no excuse. I do like what I saw from mm-hmm. him last night because yeah. you have to know who you are. Yep, you do. In anything that you do in life, you have to know who you are. Yes, you do. I think it's important. It is. Identity is important. You have to know who you are and where you want to be. This is no time for he's not going to all of a sudden develop a jump shot in this playoff series. That's work that has to be put in after the season to get ready for next season. So right now, with the tools that you have, you can't be the Hulk thinking that you're going to attack like Iron Man. It's not going to work. Because, see, the Hawk can only get to you if he's close to you. Now, he can close the gap quick. He can jump high. He can close the gap quick to get to you. But he's got to get get to you first to get his hands on you to be effective. That's Giannis. At times, we've seen him try to play like an Iron Man and try to get people from distance. He's trying to shoot, you know, lasers out of his hand and nothing's happening. Like, because that's not him. That's not who he is. So if he plays like that with the wounded Brooklyn Nets team, Middleton does at least a, a, a you know, an all-star level of job on offense, they'll get out the series and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So that's who I'm going to go with. Only because Brooklyn's wounded. Only because of that. But they, like I said, they should. They should. They should. I mean, if, their, their prediction's not like it's not outlandish because they should. Because again, this should this should have been done already. Yes. I mean, te- if we, when you when you really think about it, it should be done already. It should be. It should be. Coach Nighty, what's your next uh, matchup? 
Well, I already talked about it. Um, <laughs> this is kind of funny because we're actually watching it live right now. There's Philly and Atlanta. <laughs> I might have said Atlanta. I think Atlanta's gonna win this game. So I'm watching uh, it right now. Ninety-three. Yep. Um, at forty-five left, something like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'm gonna. Go, I'm just gonna say Atlanta's gonna win because I don't know what the heck is going on. Well, I know what the heck is going on. Uh, ben Simmons can't shoot. Can't spell shoot. Can't look up the word shoot. Mouth can't pick up his mouth to say shoot. We can't. <laughs> I, if I if I gave that man a rock to throw and hit the ground, he would still miss. <laughs> I mean, I just don't. I don't get you with it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't know, dude. That that makes no sense. But I. They're, they're just this the inconsistency, man. It's just unbelievable. Man, it's it's more than inconsistency. It's more than inconsistency. No, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, you're right. It is. It's just overall pathetic nature. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. I mean, in all seriousness. I've seen this man cry <laughs> when he got beat. By the Raptors. Yeah, he did. He, he did. did. Last year he was hurt. You want? Yeah, man, you gotta. I mean that that second half that he had where he didn't score at all. Uh, that Come that on, was man. that was surprising to me who, man, to see somebody that talented not be able to score an entire half. Man, who? Well, can't tell me that Clint Capella. Is gonna hold his man from scoring for the entire like. Come on, man. Nah, he ain't that good of a defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, well, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I originally picked Philly to win this series. I mean, they they may pull out this game here. Uh, yeah, it looks like they are. It's like they're up four with a minute thirteen seconds left, something like that. Uh, man, I got I got Atlanta's in uh. Atlanta in seven. And I'm I'm really just disappointed because like I was excited to see the emergence of Joel Embiid. I mean, especially from the way he played this year to all the uh, MVP talk. And now it's like when it really counts, like this is the one person I was thinking, like, oh, like you can count on him. But then you got bro, like they they need to, I don't know, man. Like they need to uh I don't Bro, Ben Ben Simmons, like if I could cut him from the team today, I would. <laughs> like I'm, because I'm looking at his stat line, bro, and it's like he has more rebounds than points. Yeah, he's got six more rebounds and five. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm looking at that, bro. I'm just like, man, like you can't, you can't do nothing for me. So, I mean, he should have been done. And I thought, I thought, okay, like bringing Doc Rivers and help him like enhance his game. I mean, I guess it'd be on the defensive end, but come on, this man can't still shooting fifty percent from the free throw line. Yeah, that's a problem. He, yeah, with he him is and, such. Hmm? With him and Giannis, can't shoot. Yeah. 
This is not man. Yes. Ridiculous. Hawks, Hawks and seven. Bucks, Bucks are going to lose. Actually, Bucks are going to lose by by uh, fifteen. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. All right. Well, I got I got Philly winning the series only because they're going to be at home. That's that's all I got. That's all I got for you is because there's nothing else that's going to t- that tells me that Philly's Philly's going to win because like tonight I'm not that impressed by tonight's performance. You know, it looks like they're going to win by five or six points. Mm-hmm. But Seth Curry got you twenty four. Are you that's really true. dependent on Seth Curry to get you twenty four consistently? Mm-hmm. I'm not. You know, Tobias Harris is, is more the consistent scorer, so I could see him. You know, getting twenty plus in a game. You know, like I said, Ben Simmons has six points, nine rebounds, and five assists. I, I just don't know if if Curry can can come out there and do that again. But I think Embiid will compensate for Curry's lack of production in the next game. Mm-hmm. And um, they'll just they'll pull out a close one. So I'm going to go with Philly. I have no other – I'm so unconfident about this pick, too. Just hope and prayer, brother. Hope and prayer. Philly. Take it, take it through Jesus. And it's not nothing against Atlanta because I think I would actually like to see Atlanta pull up an upset because I think it would be good for the city. I enjoy watching Trey Young play and just the the, the Hawks in general play. But, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, next series, Coach 92. The last series. These are – I don't know why. Like, these – this shouldn't be this hard. Because <laughs> just like, because you, you just have no idea what you're gonna get. That's the thing. It's just like normally you can like see trends and see, but like nah, like you, you just don't know who's gonna show up, who's gonna feel like playing that day. Like that's 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 the modern day NBA right now. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and pick the Clippers tonight to win. Um, mainly because the Jazz haven't played well on the road. Right. Also, um, Donovan Mitchell, that worries me. I think in the first two games, you know, as far as if, you know, from a Jazz perspective, that that would worry me. Um, Because from a Jazz perspective in those first two games, I mean, he was – not that he was doing it by himself, but, you know, his um, play really sparked those two wins and carried those two wins. So he hasn't been the same since, be, you know, be it his ankle, be it, you know, him just playing not as well. But, you know, I think it's it's health. Um, I think it looks like he's going to play today. They said he's, you know, a game time decision. And I don't think he's not going to sit out this game. No, too important. Yeah. I don't know if Mike Conley's going to play just because, you know, he had the setback with his hamstring. So I, I just don't, even if he is able to play, I, I don't know how effective he'll be. Um, so based on that and based on the adjustments that Ty Lue has made, Coach King, <laughs> <laughs> or the adjustments that the Clippers have made in terms of going small, more pick and roll, attacking Rudy Gobert, until Utah shows they can deal with that or shows they have some other element that they can bring, which I don't think they have. 
I actually, I, I think the Clippers win tonight. I do. Um, it'll still be somewhat of a close game, but uh, I, I just don't see what other cards Utah has in the deck. I mean, they shoot threes. They yeah. play good defense. Yeah. And they do have uh, Donovan Mitchell, who gives you at least somewhat of that like one-on-one element. But with him compromised, I don't think I don't think that's there. So I don't I don't know what other <clears throat> have. He was settling for a lot of perimeter shots. He's been settling for a lot of perimeter shots. And that's and that's a prime indicator that his ankle's bothering him. So because he's not going to the basket at all. So. You know, I based on that, I, I just think unless if the Clippers and this is a high possibility as well, unless <laughs> the Clippers just come out and just totally just wet the bed, if you will. Um I, I got the Clippers winning tonight. Okay. Uh I can't believe I'm gonna say I got the Clippers winning too. Um I this really for me came down to the Jazz being too Donovan Mitchell dependent. Um, Mike Conley, I thought I would see him back by now uh, to take some of that pressure to help run the offense because when Donovan Mitchell's not on the floor, they struggle um, and they struggle in a way that, because Jordan Clarkson, you know, he's a walking bucket, but he could also be very streaky. And so what we've seen him, he'll, He'll have a really strong first half, and then he, he'll go cold in the second half. And then Utah's like, okay, so how do we get our offense going? So now they're looking for, you know, shot here from Royce O'Neal and shot over here from Joe Ingles and stuff like that. And they're trying to piece together their offense. And it's, it's just you need that person that's going to come up and get you a bucket that's going to drive to the basket, pull up mid-range jumper, it's going to take it to the rim and get a nice roll off the glass, you know? So that's, I mean, cause that's the stability that Chris Paul brings to the Suns is that, Hey, when people are off, you need somebody that's going to go in there and get you a bucket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's Utah ex- outside of Donovan Mitchell, you know, when he's not on the floor, they don't have that person uh, consistently. It's just now Jordan Clarkson has the potential to be that person, but he has not played like that person, uh, especially in the last three games. So I yeah I'm I'm really nervous about about Utah. I wanted to see them pull this one out because I wanted to see Donovan Mitchell go to the next level and see what he can do on a higher stage. Uh, big fan of his, but I just think that the the Clippers, uh, yeah, they they made good adjustments. Uh, speaking of adjustments, going back to the Brooklyn series, you know, I like to see why isn't DeAndre Jordan playing at all. And I say that because, I mean, you're not getting any offense from your bigs anyway. Like, you're not getting it anyway, so you really don't need him for offense. But with Giannis being bumped to the five, the only body that you got that can compete with him is DeAndre. <clears throat> That's athletic enough to change his shot, make him uncomfortable. He can clean the glass for you. He can put it back for you. You expand your offense because you can – throw alley-oops and everything like that. And so, you know, just, just be a little bit creative because you have a buffer there, right? And so without him, I mean, Blake Griffin's not that type of athletic. He's, he was never defensively athletic. He's offensively athletic. And, you know, I, so I, I wonder why he hasn't, Steve Ness hasn't decided to at least play him a little bit just to see how 
how it disrupts the Bucks' offense because right now they're punishing them in the inside because they don't have any any big to counter it. And it's like, well, you got one on your bench if you played them. So, but anyways, um, yeah. So I'm gonna go with Clippers in this one. I can't believe that uh, the Clippers. I, told you, I was like, when when I, I said it, when um, Utah went up 2-0, I'd still pick the Clippers in seven. I'm picking them in six now, but I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if they won in seven. Yeah, I, unbelievable. <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable that they might pull this out without Kawhi Leonard. Um, yeah. Paul George, to his credit, had an, a, a, an outstanding game. Uh, him and Reggie Jackson really held it down, so – I see them doing the same thing in the next game and pulling out a close one. So, mm-hmm. All right. Damn. Looks like it's official. Philly won by what? Five? Mm. Four. Yeah. Four. They got two seconds left, I think. Mm-hmm. Man, these playoffs have been something else. But yeah. I think one thing that's going to go into this is what great rest is this for the uh, Phoenix Suns, you know, going forward. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, it looks like Chris Paul's proud with the protocol thing. It looks like he's going to be out, I mean, at least for game one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, no matter who comes out, I, I still would give uh, the Suns a pretty decent edge because, you know, Utah's compromised with Donovan Mitchell. I think he's just going to I don't think he's going to feel better at this point. Um, and then, you know, the Clippers are without Kawhi. So, you know, even if without Chris Paul game one, I feel like they can still actually even win game one without Chris Paul. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see. That leads us to our last topic is talking about. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, go ahead. Before we do that, I just want to say the only way for the for um, the Jazz to win is if the Clippers just lose themselves. Like it's it's their game to lose. With that being said, possible. I pick the Clippers. <laughs> I pick the. <laughs> I don't know. I I think I'm probably just saying this just to say it, but. I'm picking the Clippers to win in game seven. I think it's going to go an extra game. Wow, so you haven't won in two in Utah. Interesting. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. We shall see. We shall see. Mm-hmm. Well, we kind of went over some of the injuries that are going down. And, and so, Coach 92, what do you make out of these injuries and – and uh, the lack of consistency uh, between how Chris Paul and LeBron James have been treated for very similar circumstances. Well, I got a few different angles I'm going to go on this. Uh, number one, because I think, you know, everybody saw the LeBron tweet about, you know, injuries and all of that. And although I do, I mean, I, I agree with the overall point as far as like, yeah, I mean, there have been injuries, but <laughs> anytime LeBron says anything on Twitter, like, I just, part of me is like, yeah, I see what he's saying. And then part of me is like, but wait, hold on a second. <laughs> LeBron. 
one why are you saying this now and is this uh like kind of like a slight narrative yep. like plot creation type thing like because obviously you guys are out because you know mostly because anthony davis was hurt right so, so you know is that is that why you're saying this? Uh, did you say this last year? Because I mean, y'all y'all won the title, and then there were injuries last year too, even with COVID. So I don't know. <laughs> so I, you know, I gotta I gotta go there with LeBron. Um, and then two from the NBA side, I know they released the whole statement of. Well, you know, the statistics show in the past three years, the, you know, injury rate has been about the same. And da, da, da. and that's probably true. I'm not going to dispute that. But at the end of the day, you're a business and your bottom line is being hurt. Mm. As you can tell by the ratings last year. Yes. So it's irrelevant for, for you to be like, oh, well, you know, the injuries are the same and try to do this back and forth for LeBron. I mean, it's about your bottom line because – let it be that team from Milwaukee and that team from Salt Lake in the finals. You're going to find out real quick, again, those ratings are not going to be good. Yeah. I'll say that right now. Because everybody says they want to see, you know, the underdog or, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, we're sick and tired of seeing the big teams win. And then the few times those small teams get into the championship round, nobody watches. Why? I don't know. I bring this example up all the time in the NFL. What was the highest rated or the highest or the most watched foot, regular season football game in the past five years or even ever? Was it the Cowboys Patriots? And the yeah. New York Patriots. Mm-hmm. And that everybody hates the most, but everybody's going to watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so from an NBA standpoint, I'm not saying that you rigged the system so all the big market teams and all the big name teams make it, but I am saying, you know, if your stars are getting injured, I mean, you need to figure something out because that that hurts your bottom line from a business perspective. Yes. Regardless. Um, so that's kind of my overall point on that. Now, as far as the double standards go, now again, they don't bring this up. I like, and it's just funny conveniently you know, from a media perspective that like nobody talked about this. And I'm trying to find any sort of confirmation if Chris Paul actually have, has quote COVID or not. Cause that's a key piece here. Yeah. I heard he was asymptomatic. That's what I've heard. Well, he, and he's vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, but they haven't released if he, tested positive or not which is i've seen on now i I have reason to believe because i saw it on tmz (laughs) (laughs) say it if tmz reports it's usually true but even they said it's reported that he has covid they didn't say oh he has covid so to me there's something not right something not right there Mm -hmm. because from an nba perspective and again, most people don't remember, but before the, the series started with the Suns, LeBron had his little wine event, which, again, we can debate 
okay, oh, they're being too the, you know, they're being too um conservative with the rules and you know, blah, blah, blah. But these are the rules that everybody agreed to in the NBA. You're not yeah. supposed to have these gatherings, even if everybody's vaccinated and even if all this stuff's happening, right? Nobody else is allowed to do that just because it's just not necessarily about not doing what you want to do. It's just about, hey, like we're all NBA players. We are trying to put a product out here and we all have to protect each other. So he's allowed to do it. And then he skips the whole protocol process because he's LeBron James. Okay. But then now you have Chris Paul finally gets to the Western Conference Finals, finally has a really good shot at making it to the finals. But then, oh, he's got to do the protocol? Oh, okay. I see. I see what you're doing in the NBA. So for me, it's just a bad look. It is. And not to get too too deep but this is kind of my overall problem with just I don't want to say society as a whole but (laughs) when you know all these companies are coming out and you know saying these things oh we support this or we support that and all that mumbo jumbo I I think it's good but y'all ain't fooling me. And the NBA, you're one of them. Because they promote themselves as the, you know, the woke league and you right. know, we care about our players and we care about these issues and those issues. But y'all ain't fooling me, man. <laughs> it's a business at the end of the day. It's about your bottom line. You're making decisions based on that. Period. So when, when the tide shifts you're going to make business decisions period mm-hmm. so don't don't so in these in these exam and these are examples of that because again as as lebron said and he's right about this right we had the whole covid lockout or not lockout the whole covid delayed season and then we started the season relatively soon we had a condensed schedule why because you want to make up the money that's right it was truly about Oh well, you know we we care about you know the player. You would have thought about that because that's going to hurt your bottom line. But no, we got to make up that revenue. So that's where my issue is with the NBA in terms of the injuries and the double standards. You know, I I think they should maybe cut the season down. That would be the easiest, mm-hmm. but that's not going to happen because that's less money. Um. I think maybe they should extend the season a little bit, maybe cut the preseason down so you don't, you know, have as many preseason games. You can stretch the season out a little bit more so you don't have all these back-to-backs. Yeah. Maybe that maybe that works. Just kind of spread it out a little bit, make it more of like, okay, <clears throat> you know, Thursday and Saturday or Friday and Sunday. And that's it, like every week. And then you have like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to kind of rest and all that. I don't know. That's just a suggestion. But, um, you know, I think the NBA really needs to look into that. Because, again, going forward, you want to make sure that your product is in the peak position it is, especially during now when this is the time that everybody watches the NBA. So you want to have your best stars. You want to have your best teams playing. You want to make sure that you don't have a – 
fraudulent champion at the end of the season, quote unquote. Because though that's that's the worst perception you want out there. <laughs> well, they won because everybody was injured. Like that's not that's not what you want people saying every year. And the ironic thing is they brought up, oh, well, the last three years, the injuries have been the same. And it seems like around the last three, four years, we've been saying that at the end of the season. Oh, yeah. so-and-so is injured, so that's why they won. That's not good. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> not good for not good. I mean, which is why you could have a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at some smaller markets there with stars and even I even scratched Tampa Bay because people were like oh well Tom Brady's one of the greatest of all time and so of course people gonna watch him and stuff like that and there was a whole narrative all right scratch that and you put Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes they, they're still watching they're still watching right? they're gonna watch that when you have stars in small markets but they wouldn't watch as much of like a Donovan Mitchell versus Giannis you know, two rising stars who are looking to define their careers for crying out loud. And people aren't going to, you know, the casual fan will turn a blind eye to that. Yeah, so I, it, yeah, that's very interesting how that happens across different sports. Okay, you know, do you want to add anything about the whole, you know, double standards and injuries going on? Yeah, I mean, I think injuries is definitely a problem. Um, I, I'm not a fan to be honest, like, I was actually going to say something about this, but uh, this has probably been the most uh, – this year's probably been – especially the past couple of years, I have not watched, like, as much uh, NBA um, as I usually do. And I'm just – I'm just starting to fall more and more out of favor. Just not because, like – I don't know, like – yeah, I'm getting tired of the super team and stuff, but when it when it really comes down to it, the matchups that I do look forward to seeing are like, you know, um I mean last year people were talking about uh, Lakers and uh Clippers and it's been we've been talking about the Clippers and Lakers series for the past two years and we haven't even seen it. <laughs> we haven't seen it in the postseason, so nope. disappointed. Yeah, yeah, that's that's been super disappointing for me. Um, and you know, like I, one of the things, one of the narratives that I was looking forward to as well was like, okay, like uh, can is anybody going to be able to take down uh, Brooklyn? Well, you know, I mean, I the injury guys uh, did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know <clears throat> I know Boston, uh Jalen Brown was hurt. Um, but I didn't really expect Boston to do too much. Um Bradley Beal's been hurt this season. Um I mean, Bro- Brooklyn's not even at full strength. Um, I mean, Anthony Davis was hurt. I mean, I'm glad to see other teams, like, get the opportunity, you know, that they do deserve to, um, uh, you know, to to kind of step in and fill the void a little bit. But kind of like what you're saying is, like, I don't – 
I don't want to. I want to see a, a true champion. Like I don't want any fake championships. Like I, last year, I put an asterisk right next to uh, <laughs> right to the to the Lakers championship. I mean, I I don't care, bro. Like Jim Goran, Goran was hurt, man. I don't care what anybody says. Drogic was hurt, so I think that could definitely could have made a difference in the series. And I don't know, like with these with these injuries, and then just like. I don't know, like it's just it's just too much NBA. Also, like they're raising the prices and stuff on everything. Like I'm I'm not buying NBA season pass. Boy. You know, to 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 watch a bunch of regular season games. And then when we do get to the games that I want to see, like everybody's hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm yeah, super good. To your point, that's it's hurting the bottom line because you're gonna charge extra for this yeah. product. And then like mm-hmm. Now none of the players are playing. I'm like, I don't want to watch that. Yeah, yeah, and then you know you can you can create the narrative. Oh, well, who's the next? Who's the next face of the NBA after the after LeBron retires? I don't give two f's, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> you know, like, and that's and that's because like when LeBron retires, like, I don't just my team is trash. Like, I'm not going to keep watching the Bulls. <laughs> yeah, so they definitely cutting down the season. I think would definitely help. Um, eighty, you shouldn't. I honestly think there shouldn't be no more than sixty games in the regular season. Mm-hmm. You probably even do less than that. Sixty, I don't know. Do like, yeah. There's no. I'm good. Yeah, I. I'm going my my opinion aligns with you all for the most part here. I I'm not my opinion may be unpopular to those who are blaming this year for the injuries. I I really don't think it's a product of this year's schedule. You know, it's I mean you look at the people who get hurt, they get hurt every year. Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, um, you know, Kevin Durant. You know, all those folks, Mike Conley had history of injury problems. You know, these cats get hurt every year. Uh, Now, the ones that we are, the people that we're not used to seeing getting hurt, they're not fatigue injuries. You know, these are freak plays like Jamal Murray's and, you know, LaMelo Ball, you know, and his red wrist, you know, you look at, um, Wills got hurt off of a freak injury uh, this year. Someone else, someone big I'm missing. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, Jalen, you know, Jalen, yeah, Jalen Brown, um, you know, Joel B. Really, or, or uh, not Kawhi? Well, Kawhi, yeah, he's um, always hurt. Yeah, even um, Kyrie too. That was kind of just Giannis got too big of a foot. Yes, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, so you're looking at this like the one injury that may be fatigue driven uh, – is Donovan Mitchell's probably, I think, because the team leans on him too much. But that's not a, a, a thing of, oh, this season is the reason why Donovan Mitchell is hurt. It's like, nah, the Jazz, the way the Jazz is structured is the reason why Donovan Mitchell is hurt. I think they're asking a little bit too much from him. Uh, but, yeah, I look at it in terms of, like, the Cats who are usually hurt are hurt again. And then you got some, some freak injuries that are going on that could happen in any season. But to you all's point of there is a structural problem with the 
with the NBA. I do agree with that. Um, I would like to see less games and making those games that are there more meaningful uh, to drive up viewership, uh, to make them count. And that, you know, we, we went through an episode on IG Live about, you know, <laughs> there are some options that the NBA could take to make those things. And, and I think the, what they're talking about now is all mid-season tournament and everything like that. It's like, well, those are going to add games to the schedule unless you take away the regular season and then say, hey, well, here's some mid-season games, you know, because we're scaling back on the regular season. Essentially, in my opinion, that's a Band-Aid. You know, it's a Band-Aid to a situation that requires surgery. So you need to restructure the whole thing. Uh, you know, so for those that didn't catch that episode, you know, one of the things I was talking about is, like, hey, yo, you need um, – what makes football so appealing is that every game does matter because it's either – it's not just a game that's to your matchup, but it's division games. Uh, so people get real hyped for those games. And you know you're going to get, you know, a quarter of your schedule with those division games. Uh, but like people can't even tell us the divisions that are broken down in the NBA. Most mm-hmm. fans can't even tell you what team is in what division. Nope. They can tell you what conference they're in, but not what division. And it's like, you got to not just make the conferences matter. You got to make the divisions matter. So when they play each other X amount of times a year, those games carry leverage with them. And those could be things that help determine what playoff spots are. You know, especially when you're thinking about tiebreakers and all those kind of things. It's like, hey, yo, you know, four teams in each division, um, you know, top team in each division gets gets into the playoffs uh, or maybe top two teams. And then everybody else is let's look at record and tiebreakers, you know, so you can play it like that and have it be successful. But it's going to encourage people to watch a little bit more because those games are going to carry more weight to them. It's going to restructure the way people think about load management because you're going to have to be very strategic on when you decide to load manage your star player. Uh, so, like, those, which goes into why consumers wouldn't want to watch it if the best player is not going to be on the floor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's just a lot of ways that you could do it. So, when LeBron put that out there, you know, we posted in our IG, you know, his kind of thread of what he put it, what he put out there. And I was like, you know, LeBron, this, this isn't a – a, an outcome of this 72 game season this year this is an outcome of a problem that's existed for a long time and so you could have said this five years ago and you would have been it would have been relevant right uh so so why why now like you said coach 19 why pick this moment in time now the one year that you're not in the finals like why pick now because you lost yeah, you know, it's like when you've benefited, you know, you've also lost, you know, when Kyrie and K-Love was out, but you've benefited more from people's injury, people injured, than you've lost because of it. Benefited from that narrative, too. Yes, yes, and you benefited that, because people were like, oh, you know, you can't compare that to other people's legacies, because they didn't have this person and that person, you know, that, yeah, um, so I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of, of, let's, let's go ahead and blame this past season as the culprit, it's like, no, nah, the NBA has a problem, they need to fix, and it's been that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as the the double standard, you know, I, I read a lot of comments under you know Chris Paul being out indefinitely, and they're like, bro, if this was LeBron, they would have rescheduled the the playoffs. <laughs> you know Say you're not going to have a game where LeBron James is healthy to play and he doesn't play. You're mm-hmm. not going to have that. You're not going to air that game. You're not. You're going to make anything possible to move mountains to make sure that he can play that. If there's some type mm-hmm. of proof. Yeah. If you 
you're willing to do that for him, and you're like, okay, well, we didn't even have to move mountains. We're just going to let you play, LeBron. <laughs> well, you set that precedent for yourself, NBA. So when Chris Paul goes through a similar circumstance, he needs to be able to play, right? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear any, any fuss of like, oh, we're going to enforce these protocols or whatever. No. You set the standard for how you want it to go. Now, if you would have sat LeBron out and then set Chris Paul, I don't think people would have an issue. It would have been like, yeah, okay, cool. You're being, you're being fair. This is, the, this is what everyone agreed to, and you're holding people accountable for that. But you can't pick and choose your favorites now. Mm-hmm. And it really, it really hurts. And this is, if I was Chris Paul, I'd be offended by this. A, your legacy is on the line. I mean, not on the line, but like you have a, a legacy defining moments for you to like build your career portfolio finally. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. actually healthy enough to play. And also, look at how much good you've done for the NBA as a mm-hmm. player rep. You've helped negotiate some tough conversations between players and owners. Yeah, and the league don't even have enough that. respect for you. <laughs> to let you play when they let LeBron play? Man, well. Say less. So that that that's my take on that. Yeah. That's my take. So can I just add one more thing? Go ahead, Coach K. LeBron's a quitter. He's got to say something off the wall. Like right. He's got to have a serious conversation. This, I guess. I guess piggybacking off that, so I guess for for our listeners, as a as a prelude to when the end of the season comes for the NBA, we will have a full length discussion on you know current NBA players, where do they rank, and I know you know we haven't really discussed LeBron a lot on this show, mainly because I think he gets discussed a lot already. So, <laughs> we want to bring some different content, but you know, stay tuned for our our our, our post NBA season player rankings. We'll we'll definitely have yes our our LeBron opinions and discussions then for sure. Because you know, at, at the end of each season, as you know, as you said, these are kind of like legacy defining situation so you know people can move up people can move down people can say where they're at so mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll definitely have more in-depth conversations about this when the season's over for sure and for those of you that want football don't worry about it we're gonna have oh, some we'll, we'll have plenty of what's coming we'll have plenty. season predictions you know our, our our you know division winner predictions we'll do all that on future so so yeah. are the browns overhyped yes yeah. but <laughs> We know you're gonna say that. Man, who's more who's who's more overhyped though? Dallas or the Browns? Dallas. Dallas. (laughs) Uh, um, Browns overhyped is nothing compared to Dallas overhyped. No, I I say that as a joke. I mean, again, we'll get into it. I actually think the Browns, I think their hype is actually legitimate because I mean they I mean they have a their roster is they're loaded, bro. They're loaded, you know. Um Cowboys, man, they just Lord have mercy, man. I, we'll get into it because we just don't have enough. Mike McCarthy. <sighs> we don't have enough time to get into that. Yes, yes, but it will. We promise it will be on a later episode. So we appreciate um, y'all wanting to hear, you know, 
football coming up and everything. But we, we have some time left. We're going to definitely roll everything out there on NFL Talk. We're going to bring some of the other coaches in to talk football, you know, Coach Pace and Coach Murph and uh, Coach Jay. You know, we're going to bring all them in to talk football too. So, well, we appreciate y'all. Listen to another episode of The Coach's Box on behalf of The Real Coach K and Coach Natty T. I'm your host, Coach JP3. Y'all have a blessed weekend. Stay blessed, stay safe. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. Peace. Peace.